you're back. Welcome, friend, to Burnt Out to Badass, a place where we talk about the grunge of burnout, the journey through, and what it looks like on the other side. It's not perfect, but it's imperfectly marvelous. And today I am speaking with Mallory Rowan, all about her life as an athlete and how that has transformed since going through burnout. I can't wait to share this with you. Well, welcome to Burnt Out to Badass, Mallory Rowan. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into your burnout story. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a really good chat. Um, A little bit about me to keep it brief is I'm an online business educator, coach, whatever you want to call it. I love nerding out on marketing and sustainable businesses. So I help people build their business let go of a lot of the stuff that's holding them back. People who have really amazing products or offers, but don't quite understand the marketing side. That's where I love to come in. Um, And also showing people that you can actually do that without burning out. So I know we're going to get into my burnout story, but that has definitely become a huge part of what I do now. Gosh, it's so important. It's so important because like, how many times in hustle culture is it like work harder, work longer? If you rest, you are weak. Now I look at it too, and I'm like, that's not uh, that's not sustainable no. at all. No, but it's so easy to get roped into that, right? Well, yeah, because your success, you're tying it to that like productivity. Yes. When in fact, like, and you probably talked to your people about this, your success is independent of that. Your worth is independent of your productivity. And I think too, we just get so caught up in like, because we tie it to success, now people are just trying to be busy and they don't even realize it. Whereas like stepping back and actually doing less could be the thing that actually scales your business for you. Mm, I love that so much. I just did another podcast recording. I was talking about busyness as a strategy for like aversion and repression. When we don't want to deal with other things, we're like, but we're working. Yeah. But we're doing what we're supposed to be. Yep. Whenever people ask for that, you know, like one tip of what makes me most productive or the one thing I would share with people, it's always, I read a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And he talks about that, that growing to-do list, right? Of how we're just adding. And it's not until we have one thing on our to-do list that we actually make sure it's the thing that's going to move the needle the most. And then we actually do that thing because we love doing all the other things. We love like sending the invoice, right? Or planning the social content when there's that one thing in the back of your mind that you know needs to be done that's going to change everything, right? So always starting with what's the big game changer. And then you just really start to cut out a lot of the fluff that doesn't even live on your to-do list anymore. I love all of this. And I know that there's a whole huge backstory to where you've come from all of this. Because it's not like all of us just just like all of a sudden wake up one day and we're like, oh, we have answers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So march me back on your amazing story and tell me a little bit about your journey of burnout. Mine was like a whole combination of layers of things. I was, let's say 24-ish, I think, 23, 24. And I think I mean, even before that, I grew up as a competitive dancer. So being busy was normal and was easy to me. 
right? Even when I look back on it, I'm like, I honestly don't know how I did that. Like I would have classes every single evening of the week. And then on the weekends, we had rehearsals all day, Saturday, Sunday for the competitive team. And then we would like go to town, but somehow I was still an A plus student. So I definitely thrived in that kind of organization space. And I do think that's why I'm such an organized person, but it also set this norm that made it really easy for me to take on more stuff. So when I started my business at 22, I was still in university full time. I was actually working a job pretty much full time despite being in school. I was competing nationally as a powerlifter, which for powerlifting, that's like three hour gym sessions almost every day. Plus, you also have to be on top of your nutrition and you're usually cutting weight and all of those things. And the business that we started building was really fun, but it also included a lot of then filling my weekends again with travel, with events, because it was really for us showing up in our community. Um, we made powerlifting apparel and we helped athletes give back with the socially conscious model. Um, but it really was so much about the FaceTime and getting to know who was behind the brand, which was so, so fun. And I think that's a big thing is when you're having fun, you can still be burning out, right? You can love yes. all of the pieces. You can love your job but it can still be having a negative effect on you. But it just makes it that much harder to notice, right? You're like, I'm not overworking because I love my hours at the hospital. Because I love what I do and, and, and I'm helping people and I'm doing such good work, but my insides are dying. Exactly. Like my body is slowing down and that make, that's when it's not okay, right? So that's a little bit about like, I guess, where I was at when burnout really started to king, kick in for me. And I think it was really my body saying on behalf of my body and my mind, like, hey, this is a lot of layers, right? And I think that happens to so many of us. Girl, you're preaching to the choir as far as like, I was involved in like every type of student organization, more than a 4.0, a three sport athlete, plus I did you know, uh, AAU and extra stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it is, you look back and you're like, whoa, like, what? Like, how did I even, I think about that now with my own kids and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I was crazy. Yeah. And, and starting those like burnout habits early, um, is, is so true. But like, but you're saying, well, I'm doing it for, you know, so I can get into college and mm -hmm. have a good application and, and cause everybody tells me I'm supposed to. And so absolutely. And uh, so many times you either listen to that like tickle of the feather, like oh, something's not right here, or you get the two by four. Yeah. And I personally had the experience of the two by four multiple times. And it sounded like you did too. So like, tell about like when your body just said, hello, enough. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, it was when I got pneumonia. And I guess not even when I got pneumonia, when the doctor told me <laughs> that I had pneumonia, because me getting pneumonia wasn't even enough to realize that I had pneumonia. Um, so I went to the doctor for like something like a prescription refill or something like that. And she just immediately heard my lungs and she was like, Oh, that's not good. And she's like, I'm pretty positive you have pneumonia, but let's do a chest x-ray anyways, all that stuff. So I did have it. And it was such a weird feeling of relief. And that's when I started to realize not only that my body was obviously giving out, but just how big of a thing this was because I felt so relieved to find out that I had pneumonia because that's how bad I was feeling without realizing it that 
hearing that most people are like, oh, this sucks, right? I was like, oh my gosh, thank God something is wrong with me because I just gotten so slowly down that hill that I just thought that was life then. Like, she's like, how long have you been coughing like this? And I've always had asthma. So I was like, I don't know. I said two years. She was like, what? Well, it can't be two years, but it's true. Like you get, you can't find that dividing point of when the cough got a little bit more phlegmy, right? Because I just got so used to my lungs being shitty. So it was a really big turning point for me. And even in that, like the relief I felt in being able to opt out of my provincial powerlifting meet. So I'm in Canada. So that would be like our state championship. But so I felt this huge relief of having an excuse to not do the state championship because there was so much pressure on me. I was a strong lifter. It was part of our brand, our business. And it felt so good to be able to say like, oops, can't compete. I have pneumonia. And that's where I knew it was kind of fucked up. I think that's a a great point and a great red flag for anyone listening is if you're telling yourself, oh, and this was back in 2020, like I had doctor friends that were like, yeah, I hope I get COVID so I don't have to go to work. Yeah. Like it's so insane, but it makes sense to us. Or like, I hope I get something. (laughs) I remember I used to tell people too, like I didn't want to go to work. I was just done with my job so much. And I was like, yeah, I want to get in a car accident, but not like a severe one, just like a small pelvic fracture, like just enough to like keep me out yeah, and to require a little bit of help, but not like detrimental. Friend, if you are wishing for that, you are in it. And I think another great point that you mentioned too is like, there is no like, for most people, there's no particular point of like, until you're far removed from the burnout and from the transition of life that you can be like, oh, this was the moment, the day. It is like, when did the asthma turn into the pneumonia? Yeah, you're like, I have no idea. Yeah, you you don't. It's just like that. And that's where it's sneaky and cruel. It's like that boiling pot of water that you didn't even know it was boiling over because it was so slow and like simmering. And I think that's a really great point. But there there has to be some like precipice point, like you said, that it's finally like enough. And you mentioned like the unexplained rashes, losing your hair, just the deep, bone deep exhaustion. Not just like kind of tired, I need a nap, but like the tired that never goes away. Yeah. So I think like for me, getting pneumonia made me definitely slow down, even that we had events coming up and I was lucky to have like a team that just stepped in. I stayed home when they went to those, but it made me start paying more attention to my body for sure, because you're trying to keep track of if the pneumonia is going away, right? Do I need more medication? Do we need to do another chest x-ray, right? Like the doctor's also in your head of, okay, you'll come back after this period. We'll take a look. So you start noticing more things. And that's where I definitely started to notice like the hair loss. And even before that, I had the rashes, which I've always been like, I always say I have the loser gene, like I have eczema, I have asthma, I have all of it. So it wasn't weird to me, even though it was like an insane rash on my face. And we, you know, we try going to an allergist. And then I the answer was, you're not allergic to anything. And you're like, okay, I highly doubt that, but fine. And you move on, right? So there's all these things that after you start thinking about and you're like, okay, well, my gut's starting to tell me that maybe those rashes could also be related to the pneumonia. And maybe the fact that my hair seems to be coming out in clumps is maybe related to it as well. And even going to the gym, using certain gym equipment, I remember coming home and having like 
really bad marks from the equipment. Like it almost looks like it was like a lion that attached me and it just attacked me. It wasn't adding up, you know, it was like all these little things. And I think that was really hard for me with like a traditional doctor experience too, was, you know, putting those things together isn't always the go-to solution with Western medicine and doctors. And that was really hard because my gut was telling me like, okay, this all has to do with each other, right? So you go to the doctor, you get some blood work and they say, no, no, it doesn't. So like, here's your pneumonia pills. Here's your pills for this. And the rest, I don't know, try a different mascara. You know, that was the answer to my face rash, which was like, it's not the mascara. Like I literally had like a map of Africa on my entire face that was just like so, so bothered and then would just go away. So it was all these things and trying to piece those together was a really long process. And even like when we talk about it now, right? It's like things come up that were like huge things, but I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I also got so bloated that I would have to like lay down for two hours and I would have stomach pains. But like you even forget about it now because you got so used to it. You know, it was just day-to-day life and it's hard to break down what part of my day-to-day life is actually super abnormal. I call that the the pathologic normal when things are so bad, but you're like, you look around and you're like, but that's just how it is. Like, that's just what we do. Yeah. So where did you go from here? So trying to recover and like seeing, starting to see maybe things from a different light. For me, it was actually like an Instagram post in my explore feed, which is so funny because I'm never on explore on Instagram even. And I opened Instagram one day and I just saw looking back at me, this diagram And the middle said leaky gut. And it was actually something my chiropractor had mentioned to me when I told her about some of the stuff going on. And we were just chatting. She said, oh, it kind of sounds like you have leaky gut. And at the time, I'm also like 22. And the body, as much as I was an athlete, like I don't know a lot of those things. So I thought she literally was just saying, it sounds like my gut's like leaky. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. So I saw this diagram and in the middle was leaky gut. And I'm like, wait, like that's what Joanna mentioned to me. So I clicked it. And then there was branches from it. And all of the branches were everything I was feeling. And it was like exhaustion, trouble breathing, then it's the bloating, it's the like feeling mildly depressed, having no personality. And it was the first time where I'd ever seen all of those things pointing to one reason. And it was, I feel like, kind of like that refreshing moment for me of like, okay, don't stop trying to find an answer. Because at that point, I'd been told, sorry, these things are all disconnected. Not sure what's wrong with you. Guess you're kind of just broken in like 17 different ways, right? So that was really the moment where it gave me that extra hope to go say like, okay, wait, now I need to go look into this thing because it's validating that I'm not wrong and that these things could all be connected. And I think that's so important. So many times we're made to think, what is wrong with me? Am I just broken? Am I crazy? That was definitely what I was thinking as well. And it's you know, it's probably been several years since you did that, but there's so much more medical and scientific research that we know two thirds of your immune system is inhabited in your gut mucosa. Mm-hmm. And so obviously we now know so many more issues about it. But at the time, I totally get you because there would be, and most of the time it was women for me, women come into my office and my heart would be broken because their labs would be fine. Their CT scans would be fine. Their thyroid is fine. But they're like, I'm not fine. But when you finally find that person who hears you and says, you are not broken, there is something collectively going on, can't put the finger on it always. But yes, having something like that. So talk a little bit. That Instagram post was super instrumental. What else was 
a part of your healing journey forward? So after I saw that, I started looking more into it. And I think I actually maybe posted something about it on Instagram because I do have, I think maybe at the time I probably had like 20,000 followers. So I kind of brought it to my audience and said like, does anyone know about this? Like looking into it. And a few people had recommended the same person to me that was local to my area. And he really did focus on that stuff, pulling in the nutrition, but also like energy and the mental and emotional side of it. And, you know, pulling all those things together. And with him, we did some testing to see like, what was, you know, bothering my gut, some intolerance testing, that was really, really big for me, because I think, also, we just don't know so much, right? So we think, okay, well, I'm eating healthier, I'm not eating these things. But for me, like, when we did that intolerance test, I had so many things that just by this point, my body could not handle. And taking out those things gave me such a fresh starting point. And it's not immediate, but it's like you're eating things that you don't realize could be bloating you, right? And finding those common things. Like at one point, I think bananas were bothering me. But why would you think bananas are bad for you, right? So when you when you go through what you ate that day, you're never going to pick out the banana as the thing that bothered you. I think that's super important to mention because like things that are quote unquote healthy, soy, eggs, dairy, mm-hmm. can also be the very triggers that make you feel like shit. Yes. But until you get intentional and you have somebody who says, hey, you're not crazy, but maybe we should try this, you don't know. Yeah. And I knew like growing up, I remember one of my sisters had like some skin problems with her back. And I remember somebody like having her cut out dairy, but it was never something that we, you know, then go and explore. But for me, like I entirely cut out dairy at the time and now I barely have dairy, but like I haven't dealt with asthma since then. Like I just don't have asthma anymore. I'm sure... It's still in there on one level, but in my day-to-day life, like I don't, I don't have to deal with that at all anymore. And I think those were like the small wins that keep you pushing because it is hard and it is frustrating because then you get to the point where you're like, I know I'm not wrong. I know there's things wrong, but finding them out is hard, but having those small wins of me cutting out dairy. And that's when like the phlegmy lungs went away because even once the chest x-ray was saying my pneumonia was done. I was like, okay, but listen, and I I actually have like a clip on my phone that's so gross, but I just breathe in and it's like the grossest sound ever. And I was just like, how can you tell me that I'm fine now? Right. And, but then that's when I took out dairy and that was a huge game changer for me. And it made you realize like, okay, we can work away at these things right now that I can breathe a little bit better. It makes it easier for me to now work on the other things that are wrong. Yeah. So getting that like internal transformation, what did it look like externally for you in life and business? Oh, it was huge game changer. I felt like we joked before recording about how I felt like a grumpy old man at like 24. And I think that was what really started to change was like, I started to feel like myself again. I didn't feel as irritated. I remember with my business, people would like we had a a media team and, you know, somebody would forget something in the hotel room. And it would just irritate me to my core. Like my initial thought was like, how is that person so stupid? But that's not who I am as a person. And so it was really twisting me because I thought like, oh, I'm just kind of a mean, grumpy old person now. But then once we started to work on things with that, like health coach, working through those things, and then feeling myself come back and realizing like, it actually wasn't me getting angry as weird as that sounds it really was the conditions of my body were having an effect on me and starting to see myself be happier 
be, you know, have more energy again, like be interested in conversations and not feeling like I'm putting on a fake smile for people. That was the biggest thing for sure. Absolutely. And so how did you guys, how did your business change? Like with the lifting, how, cause you said it was very much like because of what you do was very tied to your business. How did you go through that pivot? So definitely like having, so myself and my partner and we were both power lifters, which I think does help because he was still competing at the time. But yeah, I definitely felt this pressure to, you know, everyone would say like, Oh, when are you going to compete next? I would always kind of put it out to further. And by missing the state championship, I couldn't do the national one. So that bought me a lot of time. And then at nationals, everyone asked like, Oh, when are you going to compete again? So I said like, Oh, I think in the fall, right. And that was really hard on me because it did feel like I was putting out this false narrative because I didn't even know if I wanted to compete because even though all of this wasn't from the powerlifting, it still really felt like I had kind of wronged my body. And I think even just like processing that, like it didn't feel like I should go throw, you know, 300 pounds on my back immediately after going through like hair loss from the smallest things. Right. So yeah, that was a really hard period of feeling like I was a little bit fake in my community, even though my life and everything about me was powerlifting. It was this crisis of, ooh, did I maybe already do my last powerlifting meet ever? And what does that mean for my business? And luckily, the community we were in, like we were just so transparent in ourselves from the beginning, which made such a big difference because people really did support us through that. And for us, it actually had an interesting path because that was almost the kickoff for us that really made us relook at our business because it was, it was so much work for what we were doing. And as you know, young kids, it's super fun. Like I don't regret any of it, but looking at, okay, is this what we want to do for the rest of our lives? How can we shift it? Like at what capacities? I remember we looked at how much the travel and events cost us financially and how much revenue it brought in and even looking like, okay, so if we put that same cost or revenue into advertising or a loyalty program online, can we generate that revenue so we actually can like buy ourselves some time at home? And we love to travel and meet people, but then it would be on our terms, right? So looking at things like that, and eventually for us, it actually led to separating ourselves from that business eventually and not being at the front of it anymore, because we realized on other levels, it also didn't align with us as much as our business was built to do good and to have that give back model and support a community with the lifters, but also with that global community, we realized like we weren't huge into graphic clothing anymore. We didn't want to be like perpetuating this consumerism of every three months, you need 12 new items from us, right? We had grew this really amazing loyal community, but we were starting to feel weird about how much they wanted to consume the brand. And I think that burnout for us was actually a really beautiful opportunity to look and say like, whoa, let's see what else is broken, right? Like it's not just my body. Let's see what else maybe needs to better align or shift. Yeah. And so it sounds like you just had to like almost, and I talk about this, like being the Phoenix, burn it all down, see what's left and then rise from the ashes with all of that. And I love where you have arisen because we are so aligned in like anti-hustle culture in like fun and pleasure is where it's at. That's the sustainability of it all. And I love how you talk about that. Burnout is not a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Hustle is not a badge of honor that you should be. Actually, the other day I was on Instagram and someone had set hat on their post, like mighty is my hustle. And I I changed it and put it on my stories. And it says mighty is my rest. (laughs) 
I love it. So yeah, so talk about what you're doing now with everything and how it's pivoted and how you can help large corporations, solo entrepreneurs, all the people in between. Yeah, so now I took what I really love, which is the marketing side of business and combined it with that love of finding something that is aligned and sustainable and really advocating for the fact that you don't have to burn out to have the business that you want. So now I have courses online, I have private coaching and consulting that I do. And really, my goal with that is to help people build the businesses that actually support the life that they want. Because I think even at that starting point, we have such a false narrative of why we want to build our business, what we want from our business. So actually breaking down from the start with people like, okay, what do you actually want to get from this business? And it's okay if your answer isn't financial freedom, whatever that means, right? Because even in that, that's like seven different things to seven different people. So really breaking down, like, what do you want from your business? And then how do we actually make sure as we build it, that that is what you're getting? There's a story that I love. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. The American businessman goes down to the islands and he finds someone who's fishing on his boat and he fishes on his boat every day and he goes home and spends the day with his family. And the American businessman wants to help him turn it into this like huge business so you can scale it and you can do all these things. And then eventually you can retire and you can like spend the day fishing for fun and then spend the evening with your family. Right. And I think that's so true of what so many people are doing right now. They're trying to scale these huge businesses because we've been told that's what then makes you successful. But just really looking at like, maybe we can build you a business in your little corner of the world that really does serve you. And it means you're off at 1pm. So you can pick up your kid from somewhere and get the whole evening with them, right? Maybe it means you can take off three months in the middle of the year. So really looking at what they need from their business, and then helping them build that. That's what I really, really love to do. Absolutely. I love it so much. Well, Mallory, thank you so much for coming on Burnt Out to Badass. Truly, the badass in me honors the badass in you. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for having me. I love how Mallory is a no-fluff, anti-hustle business coach who helps focus on building a brand that aligns rather than hustling for the income. So go check her out at Mallory Rowan on all the different social websites or get on her website. Everything will be in the show notes. And if, and if you have listened to enough episodes yet and have loved this podcast I would love for you to come over and join me at Burnt Out to Badass. We have lots of amazing things going on there and so much help and encouragement. It is oozing out of our ears. So remember, my friend, the badass in me honors the badass in you.